Welcome back to Foo's Errand, an investigative podcast about the mysterious and unique situation of a band that is neither mysterious nor unique. The band, of course, being the Foo Fighters. Uh, today, we will be talking about the album One by One. came out in 2002, but before we do that, uh, we have a new segment to the podcast. Uh, we have some listener mail that we can read, so we're, we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag. I'll kick it over to Kendra to, uh, to dive right in. Uh, yeah, so our first email that we received um, is from a fan, an adoring fan that neither of us know personally, also named Kendra, um, Kendra Peterson Camp, um, actually, so don't know her, thanks for listening, uh, but she emailed us after, I believe, our first, I, I should have double-checked, but I think after our first pod, our first episode. And this is some stale mail. Some stale mail. We are not very good at checking our email, but... Here we are, checking it now. So, um, And this person us. has no other way to communicate to me. Or me. Through but e- specifically <laughs> not Jordan. <laughs> um, anyway, but it's uh, the subject line is, it's not the Pixies. Hello, I got this email from your podcast in the section talking about how many thes are in Foo Fighters and their album titles. Then, at approximately 6.30, you call the band known as Pixies, The Pixies. I really need you to be more consistent and specific here. Thanks. Love the pod. Signed, Kendra Peterson Camp. So, Kendra, we're so, so sorry. And if, if there's any way we can ever communicate to you in person how sorry we are she's probably stopped listening we won't even <laughs> she, she gave up yeah uh, i would if i had noticed our inconsistencies yeah. so the crime occurred at six minutes and 30 seconds in our the color and the shape episode yeah. so sorry pixies yeah yeah so sorry everyone um and then a more recent email that we received 13 days ago um from (laughs) an adoring fan named matthew shepherds uh it's a note on dodge and ram trucks hi i have noticed that in the past few episodes referencing that ram commercial featuring foos that jordan has been referencing the ram truck advertised as a ram as a dodge ram pickup truck the Dodge Ram has not existed since 2010 when Dodge's parent company, Chrysler, spun off the Dodge pickup trucks into their own brand, Ram Trucks. In a branding move that confuses nobody, Ram Trucks not only made a ubiquitous model name into a brand name, but also took Dodge's Bighorn Sheep logo. Dodge has been logoless for over a decade and hasn't introduced a new vehicle model since 2012, the Dodge Dart, dead since 2016. Probably a lively place to work. Best, Matthew. So we're so sorry about that. I really, I drove a, you know, a Ram around the country, uh, a van all of 2019. I really should have noticed our, our mistake. Um, (laughs) That blew my mind. I had no idea that the Ram was no longer a Dodge Ram and that Dodge has not released a car. Like, yeah, that mind blowing. Absolutely. That was actually my first time fully reading that email. I like glanced at it. (laughs) I just 
when we started recording this, and um, I'm really interested, so I'm going to have to read a Wikipedia article later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so sorry, everyone. Uh, I know you come to us for car knowledge, <laughs> so <laughs> um, we're really sorry for letting you down on, on both of these accounts, really. Pretty ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> yep, thanks for keeping us honest. Yeah. Um, yes. But that's it. Uh, yeah, so thanks thanks for the emails. If you email us at foospod at gmail.com, you may just uh, hear your name and your email read on the air. From there, I think we can move into Foo Fighters in the news, which uh, there's, there's not a high quantity of news this week, but uh, a lot of quality. It is the Foo Fighters album release uh, this week uh, on Friday, February 5. Medicine at Midnight will be out. Uh, it also is sort of the unofficial 25th anniversary celebration that was supposed to be a tour this summer, but they're kind of wrapping that narrative up with the release of this album and the release of Special Vans Shoes. You can get your 25th anniversary Foo Fighters Vans. Yeah, so I saw that on r slash Foo Fighters. Someone's girlfriend works at Journeys and they Heck got yeah. the shoes right away so they look great get Go yourself pick up your vans now <laughs> partner who works at journeys get the hookup get, get the goods the hookup, get the goods <laughs> the food fighters goods yeah and uh i would say get medicine at midnight this friday but don't do that until we get there in in two years <laughs> april <laughs> maybe uh yeah but i'm excited for the food fighters i'm excited to listen to the album it's gotten some good press a uh, really good profile in the new york times came out today written by jeremy gordon uh thanks to friend of the pod john larar for sending that my way um but yeah it's especially fun to celebrate the release of a new album and the 25th anniversary of this band uh, on this episode when we're talking about an album that was very, very difficult to make and at times seems like it felt like it could have been the band's last or not even happened at all. Um, so it's fun to talk about the this. This is kind of a low point in some ways in their career and we get to talk about that at the same time that we know that they work through it and they're still here releasing music um so yeah some context for one by one uh the band adds chris shiflett to tour there is nothing left to lose so he becomes the fourth member of the band um they begin working on the album pretty much immediately girl writes some songs while on that tour and they begin demoing kind of in between legs of the tour uh they then uh, tour European festivals in the summer of 2002, um, or no, I'm sorry, the summer of 2001, uh, during which Taylor Hawkins suffers a heroin overdose that leaves him in a coma for two weeks. Uh, so the band takes some time off while he recovers. Dave Grohl joins the band Queens of the Stone Age to drum on their album Songs for the Deaf. And they kind of work on the album, the new Foo Fighters album, in sort of fits and starts over the next, like, six months. Uh, don't make a lot of progress. They move studios quite a bit. They start in Dave Grohl's home studio. They end up moving to L.A. Uh, and they don't have a lot to show for it. Uh, and in spring of 2002, they kind of set everything aside 
and take another break uh, where the members go off to do other band stuff. Dave Grohl actually joins the Queens of the Stone Age for an entire tour. Um, Nate Mandel and Chris Shiflett join other bands. Um, and at this point, the only Foo Fighters obligation is a performance at Coachella in the spring, late spring of 2002. Uh, rehearsals for this performance are pretty tense, uh, particularly between Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins. And there's sort of a feeling in the air that this might be the last performance for the Foo Fighters. They, they sort of decide to give Coachella, they'll, they'll see it through, but nobody is feeling great. Uh, and there's not really any concrete plans on the other side of that. Uh, they do the performance uh, and then it ends up going quite well. And that kind of gives them a renewed sort of focus um, or at least Dave Grohl, uh, kind of a renewed inspiration to finish this album. He begins working with Taylor Hawkins more closely, and they rework pretty much everything that they had previously worked on. Um, and so they sort of, together, those two members, complete their portion of the album. And then Dave Grohl goes back to tour with Queens of the Stone Age and Chris Shiflett and Nate Mandel finish their parts in LA, sort of separate of the other band, band members. Uh, and the album is finished in summer of 2002 and released uh, in October of 2002. So kind of made intermittently uh, and with distance between the band members. They kind of work separate of each other and it's, it's kind of recorded and finished in phases. Um, but is finished and comes out. So yeah, that was a lot of lore. But yeah, this it's... this album does have um, a lot, I think a lot of lore surrounding it, though. In in comparison to the last album, the lore was we lived together and hung out. Um, yeah. So I feel like this album, last album, was inseparable from its lore and its sort of story. I think in this mm-hmm. one is too, but it very different way like mm-hmm. one to the benefit one to the the detriment but yeah um yeah i think we can uh we can jump into listening to it cool the first song is called all my life and this was also the first single Searching for something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, a dream of the day, when it comes around and it's taken away, leaves me with the feeling that I feel the most, feel it come to life when I see your ghost. I feel like this is instantly more biting than anything on the last album. Totally. I I mean, I think it's also like, I guess the most biting on this album. And yeah. because it's right out of the gate, it's kind of striking. But I do think, yeah, the last album was so melodic and like easily digestible in certain ways. Like it sort of felt like any pretense of being like a punk band or like a heavy band was sort of gone and this feels mm-hmm. like 
it's not a step backwards in like a bad way, but a step back into like their history or something. Yeah. Yep. Definitely more like metal influence than anything on the last album, certainly. Yeah. And probably anything really that they've done at this point. I like I like it. That that all being said, like I like I think this is a good song. Nice. Yeah, this song is also I was surprised because I was just I was listening on Spotify and you know how they list like the top ten most popular songs. Um, mm. I guess I expected from this album that top song to be times like these, and it wasn't. It was this um, mm. is number five. It's like their five most listened to song on Spotify, which is in, was I know that this is like one of the hits from this album, mm-hmm. but. That was still surprising to me. Yeah, I would have not expected that. Um, yeah. I think this this and Times Like These are the only two songs I had heard from this album, but definitely more familiar with Times Like These mm-hmm. than this one. Yeah. Um, I think, but, this, oh. <laughs> I oh, think this song is great. Yeah. Yep, it's cool. All right, I think that's... A good sample of all my life. All right, next song is "Low." We're back on those intros. We are back on those intros. <laughs> this was also a single. Yes. Uh, Dave Grohl thinks this is the coolest song on the record. Read that somewhere. <laughs> I disagree, but <laughs> I also disagree. Agree but... to disagree. <laughs> I do like it, I think. Um, yeah. I think, I, it, oh, I think it fits in nicely behind All My Life, kind of. Um, I don't know. It's driving in ways that future songs on the album are not. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of... It's, it's real scuzzy. It's kind of, like, sort of dark and brooding and just... Yeah, I don't know. Scuzzy. Yeah. Which um, is, is cool. Yeah. This song is also um, notable for having a music video that was actually banned by MTV. So it I'm was... real excited to talk about these music videos. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get back to you on a future episode. <laughs> but just a little glimpse. It does starve. It star. doesn't starve him. It stars Grohl and... Um, Jack Black, who you might remember from Learn to Fly, exclusively that character. music video. Uh, you know, just reuniting as rednecks for, a, as this review said, a hedonistic night at a seedy hotel. Hey, um, that's, yeah, I humor, mean, that That checks out. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, this feels kind of sultry and scuzzy at the same, like, yeah. I, it's Totally, yeah. Um, this whole album is like very sexual, very much about love. Um, I read a couple things about All My Life too. That that song, that song's a little dirty. Um, oh yeah. Which we'll get to when we reach the Christian Parents scale. But <laughs> heck yeah. Is that enough of low? Yeah. All right. On to have it all. Intros. They got them. Yeah, they've got them. <laughs> and this is a great intro. 
Yes. Yep. Yeah. Feels kind of like Motorhead a little bit. <laughs> just, just moves. Yeah. I do think. So the first time I listened to this album, and even the second, I was sort of like, I don't love this album. But I do think like the first half has maybe grown on me in particular. And even yeah. I'm feeling that happen now, where I'm like, oh, I listened to Have It All like this morning and was like, mm-hmm. nah. And now I'm like, no, this song is maybe good. <laughs> yeah, yep. I really like the chorus. This feels back in sort of the Foo Fighters like power pop wheelhouse, which yeah. is just a great sound for them. Like, I yeah. love this chorus. This chorus is, it's so, I mean, yeah, it is just like what the, what Foo Fighters do. It's melodic and like driving at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's exactly like what I do want from them. Yep. Like this one reminds me a little bit of the last album. Um where it's just like yeah I just I just love this yeah yeah I think this is a strong track and well now I'm forgetting well the next song is I guess what I was gonna say is it feels like a nice transition too between low and times like these because I do think all my life and low are two of the more heavier driving songs in this album and I think that this feels yeah, I don't know. this is like a, a good nice middle bridge. point. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. That's a good call. All right. Are we ready to move into times like these? I hope so. <laughs> times like these. Hearn so- at a feel-good political event near you. <laughs> or on SNL. I do think that this... I just hadn't listened to this song for a long time and so I've heard the version that was like inauguration slash SNL version yeah. and I was like this song is like a rock song like it yeah. in my brain it was like it had transformed into like a U2 arena anthem and it really yeah. doesn't it translates into that vibe like that sound and that vibe or whatever so naturally mm-hmm. But I do think I was like expecting that from it, and it's not. Yeah. Yep. Naturally, that. It is so good though. I love this song. This is a great song. I don't. It's easy to like note stuff like this, and it doesn't necessarily mean everything. But I think it is worth noting. Like this is their first first album post 9/11, and this song feels very post 9/11 to me. Like or or very much like a type of song that does really well uh, in the years following 9/11. It's just it's so sort of sentimental and hopeful, uh, sort of clinging to like the things that are around us that we like don't always recognize until they're taken away, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah, a lot of lot of Tom Petty, I would say, on this one too. Uh, and, and again, this one and Have It All feel like they could have been on the last album to me, um, mm-hmm. whereas the first two songs definitely don't. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, this song did. Um, 
I guess they, they did record an acoustic version as well, which I think, as far as I could tell when I was looking, they also did that with, like, Everlong, just to keep it, mm. I think, in a new, like, radio cycle. Um, they released an acoustic version of it, so it did, like, have legs when it was released. It wasn't just... It isn't just mm-hmm. something that has, like, grown on us. Yeah. Um, yep. It's something that, right out of the gate, I think was beloved. Yep, and this was the second single released from the I like this sort of vocal bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great song. I mean, it, like... It's easy to sort of be like, haha, this is the Joe Biden song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, it totally, for all those sort of warm fuzzies you can feel around a figure like Joe Biden in a time like this, it's like, this song is so conducive to that. And like, there are reasons to critique that, but I think there are also like reasons why it's like, yeah, I like, it's nice to lean into something that feels good after something that feels bad and totally this song just totally totally fits that um yeah and i think this one was kind of i believe this one was written on tour with queens of the stone age like Mm -hmm. dave Grohl wrote it in almost a sort of like love letter or like declaration of commitment to like the idea of Foo Fighters yeah. like stuff had been bad and this song was sort of like the pivot point to like nope I wanna I wanna do that band still I wanna finish that record Yeah, I like those guys and we gotta see it through and yeah. I think that song definitely works well sort of in that like kind of meta zone as well yeah Absolutely. And now we're into Disenchanted Lullaby. Another Ugh. great intro or something. <laughs> good, yeah, good intro. A, a decent intro. <laughs> Dis- Disenchanted Lullaby is like... That is a song title. <laughs> Like, what a choice. What a choice. Absolutely. And just, like, the first words right out of the, like, first thing he says. First yeah. Kind of sounds a little psychedelic. Mm-hmm. A little bit like Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this term was inevitably going to come up on this podcast. Uh, but... I would say that this album is Foo Fighters' first butt rock album. <laughs> if their last album was their dad rock album, this one's their butt rock album. Yeah. Unpack which... that term, Jordan. What, is, <laughs> what does butt, butt rock mean for our listeners? <laughs> for our listeners. So butt rock, it's hard to like pinpoint. It's one of those like sort of you know it when you hear it. It makes me think of the high school weight room. I think of bands like Seether, bands like Hinder, bands like Puddles of Mud, Nickelback would be butt rock. It's kind of like 
a lot of rock in the early 2000s like this that's largely sort of post-grunge, but like more aggro and more sensitive at the same time. It's sort of like just the, I don't know, it's just like a gross man loudly declaring his feelings in a way that's like self-important and just like I don't know I like just kind of toxic and there's probably some like sort of incel logic and like but like a lot of it is like man why don't you love me kind of like aggressive excessive feelings expressed in just the like ugliest aggressive way Mm-hmm. I think that's what butt rock it's it's like you know it when you hear it yeah i think that this song a, a song title like disenchanted lullaby just totally yells butt rock to me <laughs> <laughs> it yells butt rock and it does yeah quite literally yells uh, <laughs> and i don't know it's just like it's those songs that are just like kind of thin but everything is just turned up really loud mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like hollow mm-hmm. and I think that's what this song feels like to me it's just like uh, I don't know it's not good but yeah I think we can move on from Disenchanted yeah, Lullaby I've got literally zero things to say about this song <laughs> goodbye the next song is called Tired of You another just bummer of a song. <laughs> we are in the worst stretch of this album. We really are. It is a slog for a while. I think I forget the song is like over five minutes. I just think that there's a couple songs in here that could have been like a lot quicker and I do think that is like this album is sort of um, viewed as like one of their weakest albums and and understandable based on like obviously their recording process was disjointed but um i do think some of that like the disjointed feeling could have been solved by just like shortening a couple of these songs in the middle yeah but yeah this one feels so half-baked yeah and it just drags yeah i read somewhere that this is like one of the only tracks from the original recording recording sessions that they did um, before they came back and finished the album. So this is like a an OG one by one album yeah. song. Which I don't know if this is any indicator of kind of where they were. I think their rewrites and reworkings were uh, worth it because mm-hmm. yeah. And this, this song features Brian May of Queen yeah. on guitar. You can yes. kind of hear him in this very specific guitar tone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that's probably a big part of why it was left untouched. Yeah, I think I'm it's sure. sort of like, whoa, we got Brian May on that song. We can't, like, do him dirty. And yeah. Die. But they could have. They could have done. Brian May's fine. His reputation, his ego would have said, like... <laughs> <laughs> this is just this is such a b-side like mm-hmm. it's just not good yeah um, yeah and it doesn't go anywhere it's just yeah. this for the whole time so we're yeah. gonna move on <laughs> it should be done by now <laughs> it should be done by now all right 
Next song is Halo, which uh, I do like. I think that this is like, I mean, it's buried in the middle of the album a little bit, and I can't tell if I just like it because it's right after Tired of You, and I don't like that song, and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. But I do think that this song just has some really nice stuff throughout. It's a little long again, but... um, Yeah, yep. Over... The second song over the five minute mark with a mm-hmm. couple others being like just below. So. Yeah. And again, back to kind of feeling a little bit like the last album mm-hmm. where it's like this just feels sort of more comfortable, easy. Yeah. A uh, little more dad rocky. Mm-hmm. And that's just a better sound for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it is. <laughs> my original thesis I think it is like what people want and like love about Foo Fighters is yeah they're dad rock songs that you can sing along to and also still yeah move yep. but this like his, the way he yells there it feels like classic mm-hmm. Dave girl yep. <laughs> classic Dave yep. good good Foo Fighters chorus yeah this this is definitely a banger on an album that I would say there are not as many bangers. Yeah, as, for sure. As we are used to. Yeah. All right. I think we can move on from Halo. Yeah. The next song is called Lonely As You. And I don't know about you, but this song is so good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I have like raved about this song over and over to Kendra Peterson Camp, who is certainly not related to the one the, who emailed us. The person earlier. who emailed us. <laughs> I am obsessed with this song. Yeah. No, this song. Yeah, it rules. I don't know if it's. I want to say that it's like, oh, this song's also underrated, but I don't know if it is. But I just. It's like this vocal, like doubling where he's singing low and high. Yeah. I. It's so weird. This is such a weird song. The like, yeah, the like the driving. Like, yeah, the song is driving and also, like, the, like, slow, like, yeah. Yeah, harmony over it. It's just, like, so nice. And then the chorus has this, like, we'll get to it in a second. Yeah. It's just, like, this, like, descending chord yeah. sort of. It's yes. with, like, wild harmonies. Yeah. Right here. Uh-huh. Okay. A little yeah. under. <laughs> no, this song rules. There's like it. This. It's like, and it's out of nowhere on this album. Yeah. Like, where is where is this album? That's what <laughs> I want to know. That's what I I was sort of like. It doesn't fit in anything with anything that they've done before. Like. It doesn't feel like it would even fit on like their earlier album, like their earliest album. Like the album. closest would be the color and the shape, like maybe. But, but I even think only that, there's it would... some other random outlier. Yeah. Like the color and shape, the shape kind of feels like it's like oh, there's a couple songs in there that don't 
outfit. Yeah, and there's more harmonies mm-hmm. on that, but like, yeah, this would still be like, whoa, where did this come from? Yeah, this does feel like the first time that um, I've noticed, like, the vocals more than like, oh, he's using a weird filter or a talk box or something. Um, this is the first time I've been like, oh, holy shit, what is going on with the vocals? Yeah. Um, and it's structurally so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song rules. I. This is maybe like maybe I'm just like lost in the excitement, but this is like pretty close to my favorite Foo Fighters song that we've like heard so far. Yeah. Top five for sure. <laughs> like I love this yeah. song. And I'm curious, like, where in the process this came from? Like, mm-hmm. did this have any origin in the initial sessions? Or was this mm-hmm. totally, like, Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl reworked it? Or, like, made this Yeah. in that, like, two-week process? I don't know. Whatever yeah. it is, it's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure it does not make it in a live set too often, but that's... Yeah, I don't remember shame. it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you saw this live. Oh my goodness. God, I forget I that I... you've seen this band. <laughs> Alright. Although it's painful, I think we should move on. Yeah. <laughs> Great song. On to Overdrive. This is a song that I did not like the first time I listened to it, and then it grew on me every time. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just me, you know, recovering from Lonely As You, <laughs> but I think, like, another fun intro. It has a nice little guitar part, like, halfway through. Yep. Back to more of a power pop mode again, mm-hmm. which like, even the songs that are not as good in that mode are still, like, good, I think. Yeah. Whereas this one's like, yeah, it's not as good as like Halo or Tired of You or not Tired of You uh, have yeah. it all, but it's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, this is just a sound that they do well. So kind of sounds like a road trip song. Yeah. summer song yeah we'll get to a chorus here and then i like it when their choruses don't feel like a wholly different energy than the rest of the song mm-hmm. that's kind of fun like this one is just sort of like yeah it feels happy which the rest of the song has so far mm-hmm. all right Probably enough overdrive. We can move on to burn away. Cool intro. Classic. Spend 
think this song is fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's solid. It feels a little bit like living skin from the last album, hmm. where it's like kind of like a metal riff, but not presented as metal at all. Yeah, this chorus is okay. Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, it is a song that like I'm a big like listen to albums straight through person. It doesn't but it is a song that I would like once I like listen to Overdrive, I think I would just stop. <laughs> yeah. So Yep. And this is just under five minutes, so again, pretty pretty long yeah kind of meanders mm-hmm. all right that's enough for me i think this well yeah i think this might be a song too where it's kind of easy to imagine them making in like phases mm-hmm. like it's pretty easy for me to imagine like dave Grohl and taylor hawkins m- recording their guitar and drums and then Mm -hmm. like the other two like just kind of jumping in separately Mm -hmm. like it's all right the last song on the the (laughs) album as released is called comeback and it is just shy of eight minutes long (laughs) it's a long one i like the start of it Mm mm-hmm yeah, another song that grew on me, I think, the more I listened to it, but definitely a little bit long, and it, like, does that on purpose. Like, it it sort of is almost, like, it feels like it's finishing, mm-hmm. like, a minute and a half before it's done, and then they kind of come back, and... Yeah, yeah the grand know. finale trick. The, that, the classic grand finale. <laughs> I think I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit. Yeah. I guess I didn't look into the like lyrics quite enough to know, but maybe <laughs> I was about to be like, maybe this song. I was gonna say this song doesn't make sense as like a final song, other than it's long, but maybe it does like lyrically. I did not read the lyrics really for this song. Yeah. Again, this sounds. Butt rocky, t- like yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the high school weight room again. <laughs> it's like it's not where I'm trying to be. Lifting weights, listening to butt uh, rock, <laughs> classic. Yeah. The song fancies itself important. I uh-huh. think it really does, and uh, I think I like get it. It feels yeah. like a, it feels like a grand finale of like a rock album. Um, yeah. There's like something kind of cathartic about this. Yeah. And I appreciate that sort of like on an intellectual level of sort of like, yeah, I mean, this album sucked to make. Mm-hmm. Like, I get why you would want to just make this big song where you're kind of gritting totally. your teeth and you would want to make it long and you'd put it at the end of your album. Totally. That all works better in concept than I feel like it, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of like a secondhand appreciation of like sure i'm glad i'm glad for you yeah yeah 
Absolutely. All right. That's that's enough. Good All right. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. There that's is a bonus cool. song, uh, a cover. I think it's a cover of a Ramon song called Danny Says that Chris Shiflett sings. And it's very fun because you would never know it's the Foo Fighters because <laughs> it doesn't sound like them and Dave Grohl is not singing. Wow. Um, I didn't even listen to it. Yeah, I it's, a, it's a bonus track. It's not on the album as released, but worth mentioning because it is kind of fun. Yeah. Hmm. So, one by one. I think this album, definitely my least favorite of the ones that we've listened to at this point. Um, Yeah, I just think it it feels a little bit disjointed. It drags a little bit. There's enough, I think the highest ratio of songs that I, like, would skip if this was just, like... um, I was driving somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it does kind of hit in the middle because it's also not... I don't think it's, like, a bad album. Like, I wasn't like, this album sucks. I would never listen to it. Um, There's enough good songs pulling it up. Yeah, a couple. yeah. It, Like, the songs that are good, I think, are good enough that it, like... Totally. Carries. But but they're, like, shouldering a pretty heavy burden because I think, I think yeah. the songs <laughs> that are not good are, like pretty not good yeah yeah no i think so too and and i do think i think that there are a couple of like hidden hidden gems in the album mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um also you know a lot of those songs are maybe in my opinion uh, <laughs> like a little bit long or something yeah um yep. but i do think like learning reading a little bit about you know the history and the making of this album and um did just make me like a lot more compassionate towards it because i yeah. listened to it before reading anything and i was like i hate this album and then i read about it and then i listened to it again and i was like, like oh but like they were having like, what were they thinking yeah. what <laughs> like, were they just, thinking oh, oh it you're was, doing great dave it, yeah good for you you fought through so yeah i think that there was some of that um for me uh yep. listening to it yep i think that this yeah, I this this album I think on sort of a meta level is more interesting than this album is mm-hmm. on face level face value. Kind of yeah. knowing what comes after and knowing that the Foo Fighters sort of work through their stuff mm-hmm. and kind of like figure out who they are and totally. Uh, but this yeah, this album is definitely like I, confused. I would say yeah. It it also feels like an album that like. I know they did some rewrites, uh, mm-hmm. but I think another round of rewrites would have really helped. Mm. Like, I think I can feel and sort of knowing that, like, Tired of You is, like, the one surviving mm-hmm. from, like, and sort of untouched from their first sort of try. Mm-hmm. And then sort of being like, oh, well, there is some good stuff on here and i know that that kind of came after it's like one more edit i think would have like yeah possible and i, mm-hmm. I don't know it's weird because like they talk the way that this album is talked about and the way the band talks about it is like oh we worked on it for so long and we just like had to finish it mm-hmm. but like they didn't it's like a calendar year. it's like 12 months uh where they're really working hard on it mm-hmm which is a long time, and, and 
intermittently like there's a lot of breaks in there and it is tough but it's it's not unprecedented that they would take another like six months or so like i i don't i don't know necessarily if i get like why they felt like they had to like I, I don't know if there was like a deadline or something where it's like, oh, it's got to be fall of 2002 or if they just kind of wanted to put it behind them. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I Again, it's cool. I It's kind of fun that we're talking about it in this week where it's like we know the end of the story a little yeah. bit or, or not the end, but we know like the next chapters um, and those chapters are ongoing and the band is good and they seem to really enjoy each other. They seem to really enjoy working together. Yeah. Uh, and that was not the case here. So it's, yeah. it's fun to me for ba- like being in a band is so hard. Touring is mm-hmm. emotionally and physically exhausting. Mm-hmm. Taylor Hawkins like nearly died while writing yeah. this album. So it's just like, it's, it's brutal. Uh, yeah. And so for an album to sort of endure that and kind of continue working through that is, is cool. I yeah. always... And to not be like a... I don't think it's an objectively bad album. No, I think yeah. it's just sort of agreed like a weak Foo Fighters album, but not like they should have written a terrible album. Like this album yeah. should be terrible. And it's, it's not. It just... Um, it has some really good songs on it. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious... Obviously, there was so much going on, but in some ways, too, this feels a little bit like a transitional album. I think that the last album got a gr- their first Grammy, um, and mm-hmm. this one received two. I think it received maybe best rock album and then a music video. I f- I'm f- maybe it was... It might have just been... I know it Best got rock, rock album. performance I don't know or album about um, the other, but so it did get another Grammy, and I think I'm curious too about sort of the pressure of like, wow, everything is falling apart in sort of like all these different ways, <laughs> yeah. including like now, but now we have this added pressure of like we're not just eating chili in the basement anymore. Like we have to keep yeah cranking out good albums, and I, I am curious about the role of that sort of critical pressure in mm-hmm. addition to you know the other things that were that are hard about tour and that are hard about addiction and that are hard about whatever else um mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's interesting too the band i think has a pretty interesting relationship to this album where when it came out they were like super super proud of it mm-hmm. um and i think they were sort of riding this just like we did it like mm-hmm. it was just this like totally achievement which yeah i mean by all means like that's you you did do it that's uh you did a hard thing uh i would say came out on top Mm -hmm. but kind of since then i think i like i don't think dave Grohl holds this in very i don't think the band in general holds this Mm -hmm. in very high regards i i know i think i saw a quote where dave Grohl kind of talked about like there are three or four good songs and then the rest we haven't played live like Mm -hmm. ever um and i've never thought about them again Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes sense to like once this sort of dust settled I think like it's there's probably a lot of memories wrapped up with it but I think like yeah. they have the clarity to be like this was a, like a necessary album and at the time we felt really great about it but now it's like yeah that was that was not it and we needed to figure it out um, yeah but yeah I don't know yeah you gotta have you gotta have a tough album in there. Absolutely, especially with 
whatever a discography their size you know yeah there's got to be a couple weak points yeah which again like yeah they're moving at this point like yeah for this is seven years into their career in 2002 Mm -hmm. and four albums that like yeah that's a pretty remarkable pace Mm -hmm. i feel like anything else i have to say about it is just sort of dogpiling on the stuff that yeah isn't good about it and it's like yeah i don't know it's it's not great um but i would say that for an album surrounded by as much turmoil as this one was it manages to stay relatively clean it does there are very few swears in this album i all on one song all on the song halo is what i found (laughs) which ironic ironic because you'd think the song halo should be about (laughs) angels who don't swear because angels don't say fuck they don't say fuck but dave girl does um once he says fucking once i'm gonna go on record controversial opinion if angels exist i bet they say fuck sometimes i bet they do that makes sense to me (laughs) um but dave girl definitely does in this song once and he also says damned twice yep so that's it's i can't remember i can't either one or two Let's say it's one. All right. So he says it I twice. I think it was so two. two I points. think it was two points, actually. Fuck. Oh, okay. So, so fuck four is five. And then five. So we're to nine, which... We're up to nine. Is under... Like, ten is sort of where everything is kind of coming in, right? Yeah. I We should be keeping better record of this. But also, I would say that this album... This album is, like, kind of sexual, uh, specifically mm. the song All My Life. I was reading a couple interviews and y'all can y'all can go find out for yourselves, but damn, that shit's a little dirty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the thing is that if I was playing that song though, like there is no way my parents would like know it was like about oral sex. You know, my parents wouldn't pick up on that. Um, but if they were maybe reading the lyrics, they could. But I don't think it would stop me. I'm now pulling up the lyrics because that's a subtitle. Yeah, I honestly, I was reading the lyrics and I was like, okay, I can tell that this is like about something. But then I read some interviews and Dave Grohl's really saying a lot of stuff. And I was like, man, you wrote this song on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So I, I guess I would say there's a couple of songs that feel like pretty explicitly maybe sexual in a way that I don't think other albums have, but I'm still not sure that they would be strong enough to be like a content modifier. Um, yeah. Cause I'm not sure that just playing the album. Would yeah. And I would that. say that none of these songs, like f- again, that's like the butt rock thing where like yeah. none of them like sound sensual in any, yeah, like it's just totally. so aggressive. Absolutely. Uh, and well, I think it's like, it's sort of like when I'm listening to Butt Rock, it's like the narrator or who's ever like the vocalist, it's like you sort of feel like they are personally experiencing this like, it's like they are feeling the most right uh-huh. now. Yeah. And it just doesn't, tra- <laughs> it's just like I'm left a little, I don't know. It's just totally, it's, it's too much. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're not like sexy songs. 
All My no. Life isn't a sexy song. No. You know? Um, so I think no content modifiers, but it is worth mentioning that like... Like low sort of... Could, but in a yeah. very sort of like... Again, scuzzy is the word I yeah. want to say with that. It's like... Which, yeah, it's a, that song's cool. But yeah, it's not... Aesthetically, it's not something that's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. This is this is making me blush yeah no absolutely not um <laughs> so i don't know i worth mentioning if we're talking about you know content modifiers but i again because of like the way it sounds because it's sort of couched in lang like language that maybe mm-hmm. could mean a, a number of things or it isn't as obvious and he barely mm-hmm. swears in this album and i don't know i think there are a couple of things that really protect it from being an album that i would avoid playing for me yeah. i mean i wouldn't play it for my parents likely mm. but like maybe related probably not related but i would say at the same time though that this album has the most sort of like general references to spirituality of them hmm. so far and and that goes as far as like he says pray and like there's yeah. a song called halo and like disenchanted halo. lullaby like <laughs> interprets the like I think like now I lay me down to sleep mm-hmm. sort of prayer kind of thing. Yeah. Like there really hasn't been any suggestions that like Dave Grohl believes in a God mm-hmm. so far that I've really picked up on. And this, yeah, I know. this feels a little bit more like in his kind of introspection and aggressive feelings mm-hmm. that he also is kind of like drawing on, religious language a little bit more Mm -hmm. um which again like that's that's a that doesn't necessarily mean anything that's just sort of a language choice and Mm -hmm. i think that also is sort of indicative of sort of a butt rock of like i'm just feeling so much and like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of that goes towards like a very broad idea of a god Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah. but you might say pray in a song yeah. uh, Dave um, what was your thought what were your thoughts <laughs> get him on yeah. the pod yeah we gotta get him on the pod yeah sounds easy you know yeah. press is winding down for medicine at midnight he's maybe yeah. got some more free time he can't tour what else is he doing yeah what else is he gonna do but be on our podcast but yeah I think to uh, I don't know last sort of point about butt rock but there is so much frustration in this album and in these lyrics and a lot of it kind of takes the general sort of tone of like romantic uh language and that's just that's sort of like it just translates into the least inspiring or sympathetic Mm. version of frustration where yeah. it's sort of like you're taking your frustration and just kind of like getting aggressive with it mm-hmm. in a way that I don't know I don't find compelling on most of these songs. Um, yeah. So that's where it's like reading about the album, like on on sort of the meta level and sort of the contextual thing. It's like mm-hmm. on the whole, I can appreciate this album, but at its face, it's sort of just like, eh. mm-hmm. no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> So we got the Christian parent scale. It comes in at a nine. I don't know. Yeah. Content modifiers, would you? I, I think I wouldn't. I mean, I think like, I, uh, I think I, content modifiers are mostly applicable if a song is like really obviously 
sinful, (laughs) really obviously like positive, uplifting, whatever. And I think, I don't think there's anything. I mean, I think um, times like these is maybe, but that like, that's the thing is I think, I I guess I would leave it because I would say I think there's enough other stuff that maybe it balances out, but there's nothing that would make me say like, oh, it's obviously enough. Like it's obviously bad enough. I hate Mm -hmm. using terms like that, but I guess that's what we're doing is just generalizing. But like, it doesn't seem like there's anything like bad enough to like make me be like, oh, we got to add on, tack on 10 more points. Like I think. Yep. Anything questionable is, is couched in, in stuff that it's hidden well so yeah that's one by one (laughs) kind of a kind of a low point but an interesting sort of detour i suppose um i don't know anything about the next album which i think is called in your honor yeah yeah so we'll we'll do the music videos for this album i think there are quite a few there's four singles does yeah there's at least three music videos okay so so we'll do We'll be coming yep. at you soon coming at with you a with music video episode. Yep. Um, and then we'll do In Your Honor and on and on and on. And someday we'll get to Medicine at Midnight. Uh, I'm going to listen to it this Friday. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, same. Seems seems like it'll be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. <laughs> follow us on oh, Twitter yeah. and Instagram. Good plug. At, yeah. Good call. At, uh, Foospod. Um, email us at Foos Pod. Oh, no, Foos Aaron. Yeah. I actually said that incorrect at the beginning of the episode. Foos Aaron at gmail.com. Yeah. Send us mail, uh, you know, smoke signals, whatever else you want. Um, We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Who fight us? Who fight us? Fight us. Who fight us?